Hello and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep history alive at the community level. I'm Tara Barrett, ICH researcher with Heritage NL. In this episode, we talk with mentor Guy Barnable and apprentice Eric Esquardo, who are two participants in Heritage NL's Mentor Apprentice Program. Guy is a teacher by trade and learned the craft of wriggle fence, or as he calls them, Ridland fence construction, from a neighbor and started building them on his own in the 1990s. He's proud to say that his two sons know the craft and have helped him to teach it to others. Eric is studying ethnomusicology at Memorial University. As a newcomer in Newfoundland, he hadn't had the opportunity to practice Newfoundland Ridland fence making prior to the program. Eric has some experience in building wooden fences back in Brazil and learned the basics of building wooden fences and gates from his father. So hi, Guy and Eric, and welcome to the show. Hey, Tara. Hello, Tara. Thank you for having us. Just to start off, Guy, can you let us know what a riddle fence is? Uh, yeah, riddle fence. Riddle is, is the, the term we use in Southern Shore, Newfoundland. So a riddle fence is a weaved fence, and it's a vertically weaved fence. So what you do is you put your posts in the ground, what we call stakes, and usually, you know, let's say eight feet apart. We add three longers. So longers are horizontal to the ground. So one near the ground, one near the middle of your stake, and one near the top of your stake sort of an equal distance between three of them. And then you take what we call riddles or pickets. So very small uh, sticks, you know, about as if you make a loop between your the, your index finger and your thumb, you know, that width, that's, a, that's what we call a riddle or a picket. So we take those pickets or riddles and we weave them down through the fence. So, you you, you know, you drop the, the, the bottom of your riddle down between your top longer and your middle longer, and then you pull it outwards between your middle longer and your bottom longer. So it's it's got a hold. And then your next one goes opposite and it's it's constantly that that pattern each time. So um, virtually no nails in that fence at all. It's only the only nails will be used to uh, connect your stakes and your posts, uh, stakes to your uh, and your longers together. The rest of it's just weaved. And Eric, to start off with you, I guess, what made you want to learn how to make a riddle fence? Yes, uh, well, I'm originally from Brazil and I came to Newfoundland to, to study, uh, to do my master's there and I'm doing the, the uh, PhD. And I've always been very curious about the Newfoundland folklore and heritage and traditional practices. So when I saw Heritage NL's, uh, the crafts uh, at risk list and the possibility to learn from a mentor, um, I, I saw the uh, which were the crafts that I could I could learn, and I thought that um, riddle fencing was would be something that I I would be able like to learn and like something that I had a little bit of uh, experience making fences back home in Brazil. So it it, it seemed to fit me uh, fit my interests and my my, the, my possibilities, my time, and uh, yeah, that was the reason. And what are some of the, I guess, the similarities or differences between fences at home in Brazil versus in Newfoundland, the wriggle fences or the riddle fences? Yeah, my experience in Brazil was uh, building fences that was like quite urban. So they, we used, we pretty much used nails and the wood was, we either got it from a mill or from a, like a constru- construction store. So my experience with, with making fences was this kind of fences. After I started learning from Guy about the riddle fences, uh, I saw some traditional fences in Brazil that's, that were also weaved and had some similarities, but they are mostly uh, from rural areas. So now my next step, I think, it is to try to find some of them around me and, and to try to see which are the, the differences and similarities. But yeah, I'm pretty sure there are many, many similarities. Maybe the, 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 the kind of the wood 
is different, right? But I think the, the practice, as guys told me a few times, is something that is worldwide in a way. And if you do find those, certainly feel free to share them with us. We'd love to share them on our social media. I think that'd be really interesting to see kind of the Brazilian fences and how kind of those traditional, less urban fences might look compared to like the Newfoundland and Labrador style riddle fences. That would be awesome. You mentioned a little bit the materials. So Guy, can you take us through kind of what materials, how you go about getting your materials for a riddle fence? So I live in rural Newfoundland, so it's a lot easier to find uh, your materials in rural Newfoundland rather than in a city. In my case, uh, my family owns some land, so it makes it a lot easier for me. But let's just say I didn't. I could apply for a, uh, forget what its formal name is, but a tree harvesting license. So you can apply to the government uh, and, and pretty much you'll be approved with certain permission to cut trees in a certain area. Uh, so, you know, you, within those rules, you can go out into the forest and you can find materials you need let's just say we're going to do an eight foot section of fence okay so you'd need uh two stakes uh, and again stakes are the posts i tend to describe it as if uh, you put your your two hands together touching your two thumbs also touching your two index f- finger tops so that size around is kind of what you're going to look for approximately for your um stakes uh, your posts so as you're going through the forest you can kind of be checking that out and you'll find some pretty easily, usually. Then you're going to be looking for your longers, which are going to be at least long, eight feet long. And they're going to be smaller than your stakes because you don't need as much beef to, to those. Uh, so about half as big. Half as, you know, big around. So again, about eight feet long. You're going to need three of those, three longers. And then you're going to need riddles or the pickets. That's where you get involved with a lot more quantity because they're very small. Like I mentioned before, they're, they're the size, uh, you know, if you touch your index finger to the top of your thumb, they're that big around. So to cover an eight foot section, it takes approximately 200 of those riddles. Typically, those are the harder ones to find. It's usually a lot easier to find your stakes and your longers, but your riddles are more difficult to find. What I normally do is I try to find a place that's that's been cut over uh, maybe 15 years prior, 20 years prior. Uh, so usually someplace where someone had cut wood for wood burning, burning purposes or whatever. Uh, and what happens is after that whole section of land has been completely cut, a whole bunch of baby trees are going to grow up. And you walk in there five years later, and it's like a blanket of baby trees. You've probably seen them. And so what they're going to do, they're going to compete. They're going to compete for the sunlight, compete for the sunlight. Survival of the fittest idea, right? And they're going to grow quick, tall, and quick because they want the sun. So what happens is they grow quickly, tall, and skinny. And eventually, 15 years or so later, they're exactly the size of the uh, riddles that we need. Now, as Eric mentioned too, there's different different types of trees. Uh, so for the most part, I used, usually try to get all my uh, materials have them be spruce or fir, bar we call them. However, when it comes to your riddles, sometimes people have used alder, sometimes people have used birch, dogberry, you know, sometimes you use whatever you can get access to. Uh, I've seen people use long branches from trees if they fit the same size. So, you know, those are all possibilities. However, in my experience, the spruce and the bear will last far longer. Uh, you know, you're probably looking at maybe a 30 year fence versus alder and birch that last, you know, you'd probably be lucky if you get 10 years out of those. Yeah. So hopefully that describes it for you. And I guess out of curiosity, Eric, you mentioned kind of the fences that you were building were a bit more modern. Were you, how did you learn how to make those? Was that something you were doing for kind of work or was that something you learn, I guess, more traditionally? Well, my father, he he is kind of a craftsman, 
uh, a hobby craftsman. So he builds uh, furniture sometimes. And one of his projects was to build the fence in our, our house on the coast. So I learned from him. He kind of designed it and said, what do you think? And then we discussed it. And, and then we, we did it. We did the, the fence and the gate. But yeah, I learned from him, basically. And Guy, how about yourself? How did you learn how to make riddle fences? I saw them growing up. They were in pretty bad disrepair. And I saw them in Fogwild, tilting Fogwild uh, in the early 90s as well. And so I wanted to make them. And I kind of sized up how they were made and whatever. And my grandfather had passed away prior to this time. So he would have been the one I would have gone to. He was a carpenter and a boat builder. However, I went to a friend of his, uh, an older gentleman at the time. He was in his late 70s, early 80s. I described the type of fences I'd seen because there was none still standing at that point, let's say in the mid nineties, I described it and he said, Oh yeah, that sounds like a riddle fence. So I said, what can he, you know, he described to me how you would make it. And that was pretty good. I probably could have went off on my own and tried it, but I did get him to show me a little bit and uh, learn a few tricks from him. For both of you, Eric, you kind of mentioned how you got your interest in the program, but why, I guess, did you think it was important guy to pass on this tradition to, to mentor someone and how to build riddle fences? I'm a teacher by trade. It's my first career. Uh, so, you know, imparting knowledge to people is something is a passion of mine. Another passion of mine is traditional things, culture. Uh, so, you know, the two marry really well together because I want to be able to help preserve and promote uh, anything traditional that I can. And I like to help develop people's skills and abilities. So it was just a natural fit for me. Um, you know, I figured, you know, maybe the more of this we can do, the more we can promote it. And even besides Eric, maybe there's other people that then will encounter us and be inspired to, to try and do a little bit more as well. Keep it alive. And you actually, I know you ran a workshop down in Fairyland and people have sent in some pictures to Heritage NL and there's like a backyard home and gardening group on Facebook. So it seems like, I don't know, the past two or three years have really been maybe like a revival for the Riddle Fence. I've seen a lot more than I had for years and years. So that's really exciting. Yeah. And I think a lot of that comes back to Heritage NL's work. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for Heritage NL's work and, and, and efforts, I, I don't know that, if that would be so. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm delighted to be part of part of that. And yeah, like you said, you're starting to see more of it. I've noticed more of a personal gardening, um, uh, especially amongst retirees uh, these days. And uh, so these types of fences are unique. So again, believe it or not, they've come back and now they're unique. So people always like to have something unique and useful, and cheaper than lumber these days as well so you know there's been some some other reasons too why they've come back but uh, certainly the promotion by here to janelle has certainly gone a long way to hope and hopefully making this uh leave the, the uh, crafts at risk list in the next couple of years that would be great yes <laughs> um and eric i was just wondering guy kind of mentioned how he likes to help people learn new skills so were there were there particular skills that you learned through this process or were there skills that you had in the past that kind of helped you to learn how to make riddle fences? What were the skills that were necessary, I guess? Well, I think all of it was was kind of new for me. Uh, like harvesting the wood was very exciting and very different. It was my first time in a, in, in, in the woods uh, harvesting trees. So that was uh, something up totally new from start to finish. Like uh, weaving uh, and uh, as Guy was saying, like for example, the length of the wood and like the spacing, and what are the things that you need to consider when you are building the, the 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 fence? So like all of it was 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 pretty much new to me. So yeah, so so skills around like harvesting, constructing, the things to consider, 
in the environment when you're building it, such as wind, which is like a very, very important thing to consider in, in Newfoundland. So Guy and I have built fences with a, long, a bigger spacing between the wood so, so that you wouldn't be blown over or ways to construct them in a, a stronger way so that the wind will not uh, put it down. So yeah, so most of it or all of it was, was pretty, pretty new for me. And Guy, were there any particular skills that you think you kind of need to be able to build a rid riddle fence? <laughs> that's a perfect question. So that's what's just going through my mind here. Uh, you know, I, wa I wanted to be I wanted to be clear with people. This is simple. <laughs> um, I am not a handyman by any stretch of the imagination. I, I, I can work hard and I enjoy construction. You know, I, I'm not a, a precise type of construction person. I prefer to work with, you know, stones and, uh, and, and sticks. But uh, so, no, it's, 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 it's pretty easy. Um, it's, it's, you can be young, you can be old, you can be in a wheelchair, you can probably be blind. And, you know, you can do, uh, most everybody can, can do all or parts of this. Uh, that's one of the things I love about it. And I love in that I'm able to share it with so many people because for the most part, there aren't many barriers to, to being able to make it. Um, probably the biggest barrier for most people is going to be the access to the materials and harvesting the materials. That's, that's like 90% of the work. But once that piece is done, <laughs> I know it's ninety percent. I said I make it sound like, ah, but once that piece is done, you know, it's possible to buy those potentially from people. Uh, but once that, those things are done, the construction is pretty rudimentary and pretty simple. And you know, if you if you follow the standard whatever fifteen steps, for example, anyone can do it. And what tools do you need? I guess I guess from harvesting the materials, but then also. I guess once once your posts are in the ground, you don't really need much materials except for the wood to weave. But uh, what materials or what tools are you using to get that to harvest that material? Okay, so when it comes time to harvest it, you know, an axe or a buck saw. So it's you know long, long, aggressive uh, teeth buck saw uh, are what I've tended to use. You know, I started out sort of very rudimentary, right, with those tools. Now I'm starting to move up to possibly chainsaws. Okay, so that certainly help your speed and help your 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 uh, capacity and, and your volume. So you're going to use those things to chop down your your items. I also use uh, clippers or referred to as loppers. You can buy them a lot of hardware stores, and those are perfect for cutting your riddles or your pickets because your pickets are so small. So you know that's that's kind of how you cut them down, and then you're going to need to remove the branches. Uh, so for the most part, you can use an axe. Uh, I also use a uh, machete. I find that really useful for your pickets to remove the small branches. And I think for the most part, that's it for what you'd need for harvesting. And then, of course, you you know you tow out your wood. You put it onto a you know a, a woods trailer behind your ATV, perhaps if you're somewhere remote, or you tow it to your truck or you tow it to your trailer and you load it on. You strap it down safely to transport it to wherever you're going to do your construction. And then construction's. Uh, a totally different a, a lot more tools involved in that so once you get there once you get on site and you're ready to do your fence you got all your materials prepped and ready uh you're first going to want to do your spacing for your posts put your posts in the ground your stakes in the ground and so let's just say you're going to do eight foot length again uh you're going to use a what, what i call a wrecking bar like a, a you a heavy iron bar <laughs> pry bar or whatever to make a hole in the ground or you know if, if you need to you dig it out by hand uh, with a pick and a shovel 
uh, Eric and I have had to do that sometimes. Um, it's not ideal, but uh, so normally, you know, you, you make those holes with, with those devices, uh, you put your stakes in the ground, and the next thing you're gonna do is you're gonna attach your longers to your stakes. Uh, that's the one and only time I use nails or screws. So, you know, uh, sometimes we have to shape them to fit around stakes if, if they're too big. So you might use your ax to kind of chop out a little, some pieces to make them fit well. And then you're gonna use your hammer and your nails or a, a drill and um, screw. Uh, something we've, we, we did learn from some other mentors, Eric and I was uh, to pre-drill our holes for our fence and before we put our nails in because all the pounding of your hammer and your nail will loosen up the stakes in the ground so you know every time we do this and we share our uh, this building other people we learn new tricks and that was one we learned this year um so yeah hammer nails um so then once your longers are on your stakes are on uh for the most part then you're just going to weave your sticks down through your riddles down through uh and at the end you're going to need to use maybe your your clippers or your lopper again to cut off the tops if you want to have if you want that style traditionally they just let them remain as long as they wanted them to be uh we tend to try to kind of give it a nice finish so maybe a little sort of a semicircular top or a straight top or whatever and for the most part so again you might use a chainsaw to, or a, a saw of some kind to to finish off your stakes at the very top to make them look good and other than that eric am i missing any other tools sledgehammer to put your your stakes in the ground right so uh, yeah mall. yeah that's eric's favorite tool he likes to use a sledgehammer i would love to ask eric what was your favorite part or your favorite thing that you learned doing this program well i think that i love I, I really like it like there are two very different parts of the of the work here which are like harvesting the wood which is hard work but you are in the woods it's a different environment so it's like um much harder on your body but it's also very good exercise and but like weaving the fence can be kind of almost like therapeutical you know it's uh something that makes you relax and something that you do like for a while and guy and i would do it and be chatting about like uh, this tradition about life about anything so i think uh this these two sides of the work were the things that are that are really uh that i really appreciated and Guy, how about yourself? What What is your favorite part about making a riddle fence? Aside, I guess, from passing on the tradition. <laughs> I, I like it all. I like all of it. I like, like Eric said, you know, when you're up in the woods and you're doing that hard work, for the most part, you know, you're kind of in your own zone and it's very peaceful. Like it's, it's you know, you're just, you're just focusing on, on the, the, the now, the here and now. And, uh, and, you know, you're harvesting your materials. It's, it's healthy. There's lots of nice fresh air. Uh, it's quiet except for you know your own noises but then i really love when you get that fence uh you know 75 percent done and from that point onwards like oh man it's all of this hard work is finally coming to shape and it's it's i'm near my result at the end yeah but it is very peaceful and therapeutic it's nice and relaxing and uh, it's, it's in that way it's like that's maybe the art piece of it i guess that's the other part of like i guess it, it's it's an art too it's construction but it's it's art. And I love to ask our mentor and apprentice pairs this one. So Eric, I'll ask you to start. What makes a good riddle fence? I would say that what makes a good riddle fence is if it serves the purpose that you that you have, right? So if you're building it in your backyard and you want it to look good, so a good, a good a riddle fence would look nice and have a nice finish, for example. Uh, but if you're like more in rural areas and you're trying to keep animals out of your garden, for example, 
then a good red offense would be stronger then and then maybe you wouldn't need to to clip the 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 the, the tops you would make it like a uh, you wouldn't look as tidy but it would serve the purpose as well so i think it's 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 all about what you want to accomplish by by making the the defense and guy how about yourself yeah and you know while i say it's an art and i feel it's an art it's also very utilitarian right so that's the other side of me i, I like to make sure that it's it's well built and like eric's exactly like eric said it, it serves its purpose so if I'm going to use it as a, a rabbit pound, for example, as, as a, a means by which to, to catch rabbits, I want to make it really tight and, re, you know, it doesn't have to be pretty, but it, it needs to be very tight. It needs to serve that purpose. If I'm going to build it in a place where Eric and I, we built one for a, um, around a uh, public, in a public space around a, a well and uh, near a playground, <laughs> fortunately. So it was a bit of a danger for, for uh, children. So we wanted to make sure it was, it, was, it was built well and the spacing of your riddles was such that the wind could blow through, but a kid couldn't get through. So, you know, it's, it's all about what that purpose is. Yeah, that's, that's for me. Um, and, you know, it, it really begins with those stakes in the ground. Newfoundland's so windy and we got frost and thaw. So like building it well, and putting those stakes in the ground is the beginning because if you don't do that well, the rest is it's going to fall down. These fences take maintenance. There's no there's there's no way to believe you can build it and let it sit for twenty years and not need to do anything with it. But if you do your stakes well, you're off to a really good start. And I guess it probably the, the answer might be different depending on how new you were to it. But I guess how long roughly would it take you to build a riddle fence? Maybe Eric can answer and then Guy. Well, it depends a lot on the the length of the fence, right? Like for example, if you have already the wood or if you need to harvest the wood, because in my experience, harvesting the wood uh, may take maybe even longer than building the fence. So our projects, Guy always had something that was like uh, started or he, he had uh, an idea in his mind and some wood from, from other uh, projects. So we usually like would meet for like two days to build a small fence with a, uh, what can I, like maybe 10, like five to 10 meters, for example. And it also depends a lot on how um, how strong you are, how many hours in a day you can work. But so I, I feel that it's kind of hard to give you an objective answer in, in that one. But um, well, like in two days work, I think you can, you can do a lot, I guess. Guy, what do you think? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and you know, for the purposes of this apprentice mentor uh, relationship, I didn't want to have Eric up sweating in the woods uh for you know 10 days <laughs> i wanted to be able to show up some construction too but yeah the uh the the collection the harvesting of your materials is like i said before it's 90 percent of your work and it's interesting you asked that tara because besides doing fences for myself and for my family i've also started to do fences for other people so paying clients i've had to kind of struggle with that to figure out okay well this person wants a fence of this certain size how much will i charge for that <laughs> You know, how long is it really going to take me? So I, I've actually had to sit down and sort of create a calculator for myself based on how long does it take to cut one riddle? How long does it take to cut one steak? How long does it take to skin the, the, the bark and rind, rind the bark off of them? All those pieces. So um, let's just say, because uh, I've been kind of referring to an eight foot section. The well, uh, the fence around the well that Eric and I did would probably be a, a perfect example. So it was a square fence. Each side of the square was eight feet. A fence of that size, so that's uh, 32 uh, linear feet of fence, that would take a couple of days in the woods to harvest. 
and uh, one to one and a half days to uh, construct, I would guess, an estimate, assuming all good weather, which we always get in Newfoundland and Labrador. <laughs> <laughs> I do like to encourage this and I, and I love to promote this craft and I don't want to, I don't like to scare people off with that piece. However, to be realistic, that's a large part of the work is the harvesting and the time spent harvesting. Um, however, the result's going to be amazing. So it's all worth it. One kind of final question I have for you is just what were some of the benefits to doing the mentor apprentice program? Were there, were there any issues that came up or what were some of the benefits that, uh, that happened as a part of the program? Eric, if you want to start. The benefits, I think, were, were, were many for me, I guess. But I think that the, the, the main thing was that I had the opportunity to learn and to really, like, without, like, a hands-on experience this, this tradition and be immersed, in a way, um, in Newfoundland culture and, like, in Fairyland. I, I visited Guy many times for us to, to, to work together. And he not only taught me how to to build a fence and to harvest the wood. But by being there, I met some of his friends and I learned more about uh, fairyland culture and, and rural uh, Newfoundland culture. And I think that as a newcomer, for me, it was like, extremely valuable to, to, to be in contact with that and to learn more about Newfoundland nature and experience uh, Newfoundland culture in, in that way. So I think that was maybe maybe the, the main benefit for me. I think that also I had the opportunity to build a fence with, with Guy next to my house in downtown St. John's. So I thought that was very nice because I, I also had the opportunity to bring something of what I learned to my own neighborhood downtown. So I think that was very cool. But yeah, I think that like learning this practice and everything that exists around it was I think the most fascinating uh, thing for me. And Guy, how about yourself? Two big benefits I see. One which was a very which was a huge surprise, and I'll save that for last. But uh, the first one, of course, is you know anytime I, I I work with somebody else and I mentor or facilitate or whatever, I love to see their skill development. And uh, Eric was so eager and so positive and uh, so receptive to everything and so interested that that made it all the better. <laughs> Trust me, I've taught grade sevens who who are none of the above. So Eric was the opposite of a grade seven student. But to see Eric's interest and see him ask questions and see him retain the knowledge and to, to, to learn the construction to eventually get to a point where, you know, we worked with a group of youth. And uh, that day we were, a CBC was on, on site, they were filming. And for the most part, I was kind of distracted by, you know, putting on uh, microphones or doing, you know, doing some background work. And Eric was there working with these uh, teenagers to help them construct the fence. And uh, some of them spoke to me after, and Eric, I didn't tell you this piece, but some of them spoke to me afterwards and really complimented Eric on, on how well he taught. And actually one of them was my oh. son. So <laughs> I was a little jealous because he said, Eric was really good at explaining this. Uh, and you know, so that was, that was a proud moment for me to, to watch Eric work with those people to impart his knowledge on Ferber. And then also with our last project, which Eric talked about in St. John's, where there's now a fence in on the street in St. John's. And uh, Eric sort of led a lot of that. So I got to see the final product and I gave it a thumbs up. And so I was very proud to see that. Okay, he learned. He learned it. He got it. He's got a lot of these little tricks and he can now pass on that knowledge. Uh, and I guess the other part, which was a surprise to me. And I, I think it was very specific to our situation was that Eric's a new Canadian. So that's that the bonding that we had and the ability I had to kind of exp 
help expose Eric to more of Newfoundland and Labrador uh, and Canada uh, was a was something I, I didn't foresee when when I applied for this program in the beginning. And you know the, the insight and the, the conversations Eric and I had, and what I learned from him, and what I learned about his home country and the other parts of the world where he's been. Uh, that, that was a great. That was amazing. That 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 uh, friendship that we formed over that, and uh, you know, it was kind of fun preparing some Newfoundland Labrador uh, food for for Eric, and you know, getting them see see uh, try some new things and get some more experiences. So so yeah, that, that was something I, that was unforeseen, but uh, it, to me, it was just as valuable as the the whole construction of the fence piece. And uh, you know, I'm very thankful to hear the Genel for. Uh, for putting this in place. Cause, cause first I thought you were going to ask what are benefits and what are some drawbacks and maybe you still will, but I don't see any drawbacks. It's all, you know, all benefits. And uh, it's, it's this great program. I hope it continues in some form in the future. All right. Well, thank you both so all much. Right, see ya. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the living heritage podcast co-production of Heritage NL and CHMR Radio at Memorial University. You can find previous episodes on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. We're on Twitter at HFNLCA. Do you have a question or a suggestion about an aspect of culture and heritage you want us to explore? Send us your mail and we'll do our best to answer it in an upcoming show. Email us at livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Lache Swing. Thanks for listening.